Welcome back to my podcast called Faith is Strength. I'm Nochi Mendel. I'm speaking out of Muncie, New York, helping spread the beautiful light of spirituality across the world. The date of this recording is Friday, October 26 of 2018. May my words and the expressions of my soul be gratifying to everyone who hears them. I pray that my ideas help pave a beautiful path in your journey of life. Thank you for tuning in. The title of today's podcast is called School of Thought and the Future of Atheism. This podcast is the first of potentially many to come that will dabble in the intellectual arena. Well, semi the first because I think uh, number seven, podcast number seven, where I spoke about this interview with Brett and Dave Rubin also kind of touched on some of these areas, but this is officially the first that will really delve into the areas pertaining to thought in general, as I like to see it. The reason for this is because I don't see a distinction. I see a a hard overlapping surface in spirituality and intellectualism and one way or another they cross paths there are those who take the approach that spiritual practices spirituality is a thing of its own and on a certain degree it is and therefore we don't need to concern ourselves with sophistication sophisticated thinking or deep ideas that pertain only to the philosophical realm. Meaning, we could practice spirituality, live good lives, and perhaps even if you prove me wrong in all of what you believe, I'm taking the opposing stance now, then at least I value a healthy lifestyle within the parameters of my spiritual teachings, and I can live that way without needing to agree with you or all the while agreeing with you that it's all based off of bogus and phony beliefs I don't think so I think uh, specifically from a Jewish perspective most of our spirituality and our approach is based off of deep philosophical ideas so I don't I don't see us completely separating the two there are also traditional believers who said, stay away from philosophy. Stay away from the hard questions, the deep discussions, because ultimately you won't be able to crack the code and you'll fall into pits. It'll corrupt you. And we've seen throughout history that many who have tried have actually become atheists. We've also seen in history that many who have tried have not become atheists. Many who have tried and really delved in, became some of our biggest thinkers. So then there's the approach that, well, they already did all the thinking for us. We don't need to. We could just rely on their knowledge, which is kind of paradoxical because I guess any generation could say that about the past, but that's not factually how life works. Things do evolve. And although 
the deep understanding of all of our knowledge is based off of the bedrock that was laid out by our past thinkers, we still have new information now that helps us actually utilize that information that was taught to us and place it better, if that makes sense. We are able to take the information that we learned, I guess we could say the logical framework, and we have uh, more of a consensus on how to place it, how to apply it in a more factual, empir empirical way. So some of what I want to explore uh, may overlap or may kind of have a lot to do with psychology and the study of human behavior, which we have a pretty good understanding of, even though all these sciences are fairly new in the modern sense. Um, but for some reason, in my mind, you know, when I look at the puzzle or all the pieces of information that have been gathered by myself, I seem to see certain patterns. And these patterns lead me to observe and kind of look at this whole topic from those viewpoints. This is one of the stuff that is important to do. We learn from our past, we, we see patterns, we see how things change. And in the intellectual arena, we want to kind of formulate our best thoughts, our most profound thoughts, our most valuable thoughts on these perceptions. And these perceptions, in my opinion, are, are divine. Not in the sense that um, like a prophet or anyone who has perceptions is a prophet, but in a very light sense, it is kind of like that. In a very divine way, we are blessed with perceptions, which make up the total of all profound thought and truth in the world. So when I think of, let's say, a prophet of back in the day, or someone who has divine spirit, Ruach HaKodesh, I don't think, well, specifically someone who had divine spirit, I don't think they know that they have divine spirit. It's not like a prophet who's having an intense dream and they know that God spoke to them. I think simple divine spirit is divine perception. It's God giving you clarity, which formulates, and if you're not spiritually inclined, you may attribute that good thinking to your own brain, to your own prowess. But when you humble yourself and you learn some spirituality and you understand how things work more in a spiritual sense, this is Hashem bestowing you with perceptions. And sometimes these people who share their perceptions are right. And then we look back and we say, oh my God, he, he had Ruach HaKodesh, he, know, he knew everything. No, he simply had good, good insight and that happened to be right because the perceptions that God gave him. So that's just a very interesting point in its own right. But when you micro that down to a very, very, very tiny degree, each of us on our own tiny little levels, anyone who engages in spirituality, philosophy, any, any topic has perceptions. You could say that even about sports, anything that you delve into, anything that you really spend a lot of time on and really put in the effort and you become an expert in that field, scientists have divine perceptions. 
That's how they discover amazing things. So regardless of the field, regardless of what it is that you're studying, there's this concept, there's this aspect of perception. How do we know? Because you could have a hundred people that study the same thing, but only three of them are the real geniuses. World-renowned. They come up with the most dazzling discoveries. Why? Why do they have these perceptions to even explore in the routes that they did? So on and so forth. Perceptions. Now, whether you believe that it's divine like I do, or you just believe that it's mental prowess, work hard and it'll come to you. That's up, you know, up to you to decide. Uh, we have reasons to believe that there's no there's no formula to the madness per se. Two people could do and study exactly the same thing. One will have great perceptions. One will not, and that's just the reality of life. And we have to accept that. So, in saying all of that, what am I getting to? My little tiny perceptions always leads me to kind of see a pattern and see things from a certain perspective. Instead of getting bogged down in the actual arguments, in the nitty-gritty, what everyone is doing, for some reason when I look at it, I see that as an illogical approach. And my perception tells me there's so much behavior in this debate game in this topic, in this arena, there's so much behavior, so much emotion that's taking place that we can't even remotely consider ourselves completely honest, completely unbiased. And I know that even about myself. Everything we learned growing up, the sides we choose, the motives we have, we can't call ourselves hundred percent honest because even within our framework our understanding of our honesty we're often dishonest and it's not intentional we simply don't even have the intel in the intellectual capacity to grasp when we're being dishonest because we simply don't know it's like Rabbi Nachman writes about Hashem hiding from us concealment within a concealment it's the same type of concept applied to our own understanding, our own mind. There are things that are concealed from us, concealed from our understanding. So when we think we're being 100% honest, when we look at the biggest intellectuals debating, and they think that they are telling the truth, they may be according to the best of their abilities, but they also may be limited. In fact, they are limited. Every human being is limited. So there's a bigger picture, there's a truth that's unchanging, and then there's these humans with pretty strong brains who are trying to touch the truth, if that makes sense, right? We're trying to like put our hands on it, and sometimes it seems, due to reasoning and logic, that we do touch the truth, but more often than not, it's, I don't think we are, I think it's completely convoluted. And let me just propose this idea. Imagine where we are dabbling now and in the thought, in the processes, in the thinking, in the realm that we're trying to figure things out. Could you imagine that the truth is completely separated from that and that we're not even touching remotely the truth, you know, like a, a creation, a computer simulator or, you know, the, the little 
Pokemon or these people on the screen that are in the game, you know, imagine they grew a little bit of a conscience and they were trying to figure out how they got there. And as the creator, you are kind of sitting back and laughing, not necessarily laughing, but just kind of perplexed by how sophisticated they are within their own thought process, but yet they are far from the truth, right? That's it's a possibility from a philosophical standpoint. I'm not saying that this is the truth. I'm not saying that this is the case. Uh, there is indications, and for the sake of sanity, we can't believe that that is the case, especially within Judaism and Jewish frameworks. We believe that we have revelation. We have somewhat of an understanding of what's going on, but just unbiasedly, it's, it's ironic, right? I, I, get, I get to use the word unbiasedly when I just explain that nothing's really unbiased. But that was a concept. This is reality. In reality, we need to continue to pursue in the tools and the ways in which we know how to. And that's within human language and human thought processes. So I have no choice to be that which I describe myself. I'm not above it, no one's above it. We dabble in big things, we propose big concepts, and that we are subjugated by that which we understand ourselves. A, a prison of some sorts, or you could say a freedom, a freedom to explore. But whichever way you choose to think about it, we're still all stuck with the same tools, the same utilities, and this is what we're doing. So without getting too carried away, one of the main points that I wanted to bring out here is that I cannot separate spirituality from intellectualism personally. I do see the waves, and I'm not saying that a person cannot focus solely on spirituality or solely on intellectualism or some kind uh, have some kind of balance between the two. Perhaps that's the most health healthy route. Uh, but I've, I've found in within my own personal life and my pursuits that when you pursue something very strongly it could get boring a little bit so if I delve into spirituality and spiritual teachings for three years straight after three years I feel a little depleted like I'm just chewing over the same stuff over and over again and I may kind of get deterred a little bit and challenge my mind with intellectual stuff or philosophy and then when that gets a little bit boring and repetitive, I'll shift back to spirituality. doesn't mean that there's a complete void of the other when I'm doing one, but there's still a predominant focus. So there are two main points, and I could talk about this stuff forever. It is immensely intricate. and Anyone who studies it knows that it's never-ending. You go online, Facebook, comments for God, against God, and millions of comments beneath it. You go, into, you go into YouTube, you watch a video, debate about God and belief and theology. It's just endless. And we never seem to sort of converge anywhere. It's just you're going to believe what you're going to believe, we're going to believe what we're going to believe, and like it just doesn't come together on any grounds. I'd like to propose that that's actually changing. Um, and I'd like to offer two ideas just on this topic to kind of break the ice and slowly get into it. It's important to understand that thought, ideas, thinking is a journey, just like life. 
And if you don't understand what we mean when people say journey, journey means, in my book, it means it's never ending. It means the the reward is in the is in the travel. It's in the walk. It's not in the destination. A journey refers to something that just doesn't end. It's just a journey. And we have to seek and find and revel in the little triumphs along the way. The things that we succeed at. The things that we achieve. Because there's no destination. Spirituality. Spiritual living. Intellectualism. Philosophy. It's a journey. You're not getting anywhere. You're not arriving somewhere. You're just consistently broadening your horizons. Becoming more open-minded. Ideally. Hopefully. Um, Understanding more. Learning more. And... What's it all for? Well, Judaism teaches us that it's all to make us a better person. Because at the end of the day, you could be as wise as anything, but if you're a cruel person, it's all worthless. If you're a horrible, evil person and you're wise or you're spiritual, it's all worthless. So ultimately, the goal of knowledge and understanding and learning is to make us better people. So the first idea that I want to bring forth, and they, they tie together because everything in this topic tie together, is school of thought. I'd like to propose that the God debate is not actually a debate on whether God exists or doesn't exist, or whether we believe God exists or we don't believe God exists. The opposing parties are essentially, from my understanding and from everything that I've kind of studied and looked at, and I've watched hundreds of videos and debates and read, I just see one thing. School of thought. What do I mean? We're not actually debating about God or the existence of God. There are arguments, and there have been for thousands of years, for the existence of a God. Whatever God is, you know, we didn't even get there. Whatever God is, whatever, some thing, some non-thing, some being, some entity, whatever. There are, anyone who's into this topic and has intellectual integrity will admit that there are good debates, I'm sorry, good arguments for the existence of a God, and there are good arguments for the non-existence of a God. It's as simple as that. You could go onto Wikipedia, it'll give you a list of the most predominant arguments. Of course, these arguments get very intricate and detailed, but it's there, right? Can we all agree that there are good arguments for and against God, philosophically? And throughout time, from 2,000 years ago until now, they've been debated endlessly. Yet, there are still huge thinkers who believe in God, and there, are, and there are huge thinkers who don't. What we have then, and what is the, the primary difference? School of thought. I think, as a believer, that the approach, the reasoning, and the logic of the arguments for the existence of God is more logical and more reasonable. It resonates more with me. Therefore, I believe in God. But what I'm essentially doing is I'm rooting 
for that school of thought, that mode of thinking. And what the opposing party is doing, they're rooting for their approach, their mode of thinking as being more reasonable and logical. So on the surface, what you see is that we're not, it's not that it's a debate about does God exist, does, not ex does God not exist. It's actually a debate about which school of thought is more reasonable, more logical. If you are able to compartmentalize it like that, then you are able to deal with the integral, with the little parts, with the pieces, instead of trying to deal with the whole. If we understand that what we're really arguing about, what we're really debating about, is whose way of thinking is more logical and reasonable, then we can let go for a minute. God exists, God doesn't exist, we need him to blah, 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 blah. Like all of that, just let go of it and just focus on reasoning, the way in which we think. Let's put it on a scale, my conclusions versus your conclusions. When we do so from a philosophical standpoint, a whole different picture arises. I've explained this in a, pad, in a past podcast, number seven, I believe. Atheism tried to kind of like do away with ancient philosophy. Oh, we're much smarter, we're much better. We came up with a whole better way of thinking and understanding things. And it's, it's causing backlash because we see now that we didn't. We got a little bit ahead of ourselves. The fact is we did not. The foundation that they laid literally equals our logic to say that their ideas are just poof out of the window is illogical. It goes against everything with our thinking structure. We rely on everything that they taught us and everything that they thought in order to come up with coherent ideas and a whole co coherent structure for logic and reasoning. So atheism and science got so happy and you know, like little toddlers in the playground they got a little bit ahead of their, themselves by rolling out this new product. But just like when you roll out you know, an iPhone prematurely, you have a recall. And that's essentially what's happening. Whoa, slow down, slow down, slow down. You think for thousands of years, these deep philosophical and logical approaches to the way we think and understand things haven't been challenged and you just rolled out a new product and it's just poof away? doesn't work that way. And what we're seeing factually, when you go on YouTube and you listen to the debates and you listen to the talks, more and more big intellectuals coming out by the day, making the old intellectuals look phony and silly, because it's not so simple. So that's my first idea. First of all, we're not debating about God actually. We're debating about whose reasoning, whose approach to thinking in general is more logical, is more reasonable. The second thing that I would like to bring out is the future, right? So if we understand that we're not actually debating about God, we're just have a, a disagreement on what is more valuable. And interestingly, in a very interesting way, it comes down to value. Because, you know, to say that, oh, you don't understand the scientific philosophies, the scientific views, is silly. To, to say that the biggest intellectuals having the biggest debates about the most important topics that they don't understand the opposing side is silly. They understand their argument. 
if I read a book on evolution and you read it, there's no reason why I shouldn't understand it the way that you understand it. Outside of divine intervention stuff, like I mentioned earlier, you know, one person could have a deeper perception than the other. For example, I believe I understand the scientific view. I just think that our approach to reasoning and logic has more value to it. Um, and ultimately, it comes down to value because a real intellectual person who can look at both sides and finds value in both arguments, two opposing ways of looking at things, has to weigh it for himself. Because if you're an intellectual and you try to be unbiased and humble and you understand both arguments, you have to now make a decision. Which one is more valuable? You have to choose. Unless you say, you know, I'm an agnostic. I see both sides. They're both strong. You'd be more honest being an agnostic, but then most people do find the need to choose. They say, you know what? I see both arguments. This one is more valuable to me. Therefore, I'm sticking to believing in such and such. So where does that leave us? Where does that lead to the future of atheism, which is not really the future of atheism, it's the future of thought, ideas in general. And when I kind of observe this whole intellectual playground, I see a certain, I see patterns, I see kind of things unfolding. And I'm going to try to describe some of what I see. And we'll see. We'll see if it ends up being the reality. Um, this is really the early stages of, of these patterns that I'm seeing. So I already described in a past podcast that science and atheism, they got ahead of themselves. And we see new intellectuals coming out, challenging their core beliefs, making people rethink, right? So we already see that shift. We also said that mainstream media is going down, while private media capabilities like YouTube is going up, and this is allowing for more intellectuals to come out and have a word and gain a following. And the second part to all of that is that is, is my second point which is, what's the future? So I think a couple things are happening. I think we're coming to the intellectual realization that everything is an idea. And indeed, this is the philosophical approach to ideas. There's a, something very funny about human behavior, and maybe it's because of how we grow up. We're like cheerleaders. We grab a side, and we cheerlead for it. It's completely not intellectual. It's not honest. There's, there's no part of that mentality that has any kind of honesty attached to it. Honesty, real intellectual discourse, where two people are trying to be completely unbiased, not rigid. You know, how many of our biggest thinkers are so rigid they'll never utter the word, you're right, or I have to think about that. Some of the biggest thinkers, we look at it as the biggest intellectuals, are so rigid they won't budge an inch. You call that intellectual? You call that honest? You call that truth? You'll see the more humble intellectuals, they explore ideas. They're not rigid. They have no problem moving or shifting or saying they don't understand or saying that they have to look into that. And then weighing. Sometimes you might be right, but you being right causes a couple other discrepancies that they have to explore and weigh against you being right in that area there's a lot that happens you know it's almost mathematical because logic is kind of does kind of work that way where 
everything has a cause and effect. And I think we're coming from a very immature behavior-wise, a very immature way of talking about things and looking at things and holding firm to things to loosening up. I think because of technology, oddly enough, technology is forcing us to be more honest and to be more intellectual. Not in the political arena, talking specifically in the thought arena. Talking about philosophy, science, and stuff like that. It forces us. Because when you record a video, it goes online, you contradict yourself five years later, somebody pulls it up, you're a laughing stock. If it's forcing people to shape up to a certain extent. So I think what we've been seeing is a very immature, I mean, it was just simply not evolved, version or approach to debates, to standing your ground, to believing in something. And what we're starting to see in the modern era, oddly enough, uh, imposed by millennial or millennial technology, right, those crazy millennials, but there's something about what they're creating and what they're demanding that is creating this new era of thinking. One of the first things is that everything's an idea. We need to look at things more philosophically. Stop cheerleading. To think that we reach the answers to the most complex question of all time, existence, is so silly. Philosophy explores ideas and continues to explore, and that's why we need to operate in the realm of ideas, not sides, not teams. We need to be more intellectually honest. And I think that this is actually happening. This is what is slowly evolving over the years. More honesty, more ideas, less friction, less rigidness. Let's all take a step back and say, you know what? These ideas of existence and God are so much bigger than our tiny little brains could understand or fathom. Maybe we don't understand anything yet. And when we do that, we are able to converge better. The opposing sides come together. They have better discussions. It's more fruitful. It, it, it teaches the masses much better, right? Because when you have two hotheads that debate, everybody who watched that it's like it reflects, it projects onto them. And they become like a projection of that. And then, then you go to social media and everyone's ripping each other apart because the people that they watch are ruthless. Why shouldn't they be? We need to take a step back. More open-mindedness. More honesty. More humility. So this is the second point. I think the future of thought in general, not just atheism, the future of thought and intellectual discourse is that we're going to be more humble. We're going to be more truthful. We're going to be less biased. Why? I'll tell you why. I already described it a little bit, but I'll say even more that whatever technology is out now that's forcing us to do it, like a YouTube video, you can't say one thing today and another thing tomorrow because it'll contradict. And then with time, you'll just lose all your integrity. Nobody's going to trust you or follow you or believe you. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, people make mistakes, and if you contradict yourself, you could think about it and, and correct it, and, and you could be honest about it, but I'm saying you can't just be a fraud completely, because then you have no, you have, you're not um, regarded as anything to be trust, trusting, so 
you become nothing. So technology is forcing us to be a certain way. It's, it's basically forcing us to, create, to correct our behavior. The technology that's still going to come out, we're so young in technology, and I feel this very strongly because I am in tech. The technology that's still going to come out is going to force us to be more logical and with we're going to we're going to be able to literally have data points on two debaters who's more logical who uh, proposed or uttered more fallacies who contradicted themselves who has better references technology is literally going to force us to think better and think more clearly so this is i think i hope the future. Now, I'm not saying I don't. We don't need technology to do it, but it's very hard for humans with our behavior, our desire to be right, our egos. Uh, we also get ashamed when you know we're wrong and everybody claps against you. Like it hurts us, right? You see the biggest debaters they blow up when you know they make these silly comments because it actually hurts them. We're emotional beings. We can't be completely logical, unbiased, and humble. But with the help of technology, we have no choice. We're being forced to, but that also means that we're being forced to think deeper. That means that more people are being exposed to more truths, better ideas, more advanced ideas, which in turn means that we are breeding, essentially, young generations of better thinkers, perhaps. Now, of course, if you look back, you could say, wait, well, some of the thinkers in the past were just beyond us. They thought of things that we can never think of, and that's true. But that's only because they thought of things that can't be thought of twice. Once they came up with the framework, we can't rethink the framework. It was already thought of. We're left with having to deal with what's left. And the idea of dealing with the thoughts that are left to deal with is almost harder than the, than, than the framework itself. So if you imagine it, you know, all of our past thinkers built a foundation, but we still have to build the whole house. The framing, the sheetrocking, the electrical, the plumbing. They built us a foundation, but we still have to build the whole house. And we're in an infant stage of doing so. So patting yourself on the back, feeling good about all, you know, all your ideas and and how far we've come and how that one's right and that one's wrong, that's just not the approach. And if you think that way, I guarantee you it's going to become an archaic way of thinking. You're gonna have no choice. You will conform to humility, to more logic, to more thinking, and it goes both ways. I'm not afraid because if you're an intellect, if you're, if you're an honest person and you seek the truth, then you shouldn't be afraid doesn't matter if you'll be wrong. You want the truth. So when you put away other motives of being right, and technology comes in and forces us to be better at thinking, better at logic, yay, I can't wait for that. So that's basically my view of this pattern that I see emerging. You know, we spoke about the waves in a previous podcast. This side of the spectrum is very strong and that side is very strong. And there's a reason why these waves happen. But more than anything, on a global scale, we want to shift into better thinking. And we have to stop seeing things as end-all, be-all. We have to start seeing things as ideas. Ideas that are like little tiny infants that we've not even be 
begun to scratch the surface of exploring. If we take these two concepts into hand, it's a great place to start the exploration if you've never dabbled in philosophy or really got into intellectual thought, reasoning, logic, and stuff like that, and you want to learn a little bit, understand a little bit of the infinite ocean, this approach is a good approach to keep in mind as you begin. Number one, again, don't look at it like me versus you. God versus no God. Look at it on a completely simple level. Whose reasoning, whose approach is more reasonable? I'll give you an example. Jordan Peterson has a two-hour conversation with Sam Harris about epistemology, which is the study of truth, right? And they can't agree with each other for two hours. Then they have another full podcast on the same topic, which they conducted themselves a little bit better, but they still couldn't agree, right, on fundamental things, on epistemology. Now, let me ask you something. If you can't agree on the nature of what is true, how in the world do you think you're going to agree on anything else beyond that? People are like, oh, gosh, like move on to the next topic. And I'm like, no, argue about this for days for all I care. Because if we don't get anywhere on epistemology, on the most basic, on what I believe to be true and what you believe to be true and how they contradict each other or how we simply don't agree the conclusions that we're reaching, then how could you go to any further, more advanced parts of debate, of conversation, if you don't even agree on that. This is why I'm suggesting, don't get nitty gritty, yes God, no God. Explore thinking as its own thing. What is thinking? What is coming to a conclusion? Learn about logic. Learn about mathematics, one plus one. Learn about reasoning. Learn about fallacies. Learn about deductive reasoning. Then decide which mode of thinking has more value to you. Because ultimately, the mode of thinking that has more value to you is the one that you are going to live by. The one that you are going to basically proclaim as your position. And then the second part is shifting into ideas. Shifting into more honesty. Stop being so vicious, so rigid. Understand that you understand nothing in the grand scheme of things. It's so childish and immature of us to think that we have everything figured out in such an early stage of advanced human life, right? Because if science is right and the world's here for billions of years and we've evolved from very dumb animals to in intelligent beings, then we're, maybe this has to go on for another two million years before we understand real philosophy, real truth. Why do we feel so eager to solve it right now? It's a silly idea that we think we're so far into solving this puzzle. So take a step back. These two ideas could help you take a step back in order to help you move forward in your own development, your own advancement of thinking, figuring things out, coming to conclusions, and understanding things on a more broader level. I hope my words were clear. Thank you for tuning in. 
I hope to be able to record many more awesome podcasts on great topics like spirituality, philosophy. Until next time, God bless you.